Welcome back to the show. You're listening to Firearms Cafe. I'm your host, Tony Brown. Today is Sunday, the 19th of May, 2013. Before we jump into the show, let's get the contact info out of the way. You can contact me several different ways. I have the voicemail, which is area code 206-745-2731. Or you can go to the website, which is firearmscafe.com. On the right-hand side of the page is a Send Voicemail tab. When you click on it, you'll be able to send up to a 90-second message to me using your computer's microphone. You can also record an MP3 or WAV file and email that to me for the show. If you're not comfortable with recording an audio message, please feel free to contact me via email, and I'll read out your comments on the next show. The address for both email and audio content is firearmscafe at gmail.com. Again, that's all one word, firearmscafe at gmail.com. I also have a Facebook listener page, a Twitter account, and a YouTube channel. There are buttons for these at the website, so please go there and click on those buttons and like me on Facebook, follow me on Twitter, and subscribe to me on YouTube. These are all free. Finally, there are the forums at Gun Rights Radio Network, where I have the Firearms Cafe subforum. I'm looking forward to hearing from you soon. Thank you for spending your time with me and listening to the show. All right, guys, I've been waiting for my... uh neighbor's dog to shut up and this isn't going to so i figure i'm not going to put this off anymore i'm going to go ahead and just start recording so if you hear some dog in the background um barking or a bunch of wacky noise going on that's kind of what it is so anyway it has been about a month since i last put out a show and a lot of stuff has happened since then and probably one of the bigger things for us in the firearms culture is that the Enhanced Universal Background Check Bill was defeated and all the new gun control stuff that was that was trying to be put into place has all gone down, has all, has all been defeated, which is good for us. And so some people would say, well, since that stuff is gone and since it's been a few weeks, why, why talk about it? Isn't the point that you're, uh, of, of some of the, of the things that we're going to talk about and some of the subtleties of some of these things, isn't it kind of moot? Because that stuff is gone. It's, it's been defeated. But we will see this stuff come back next year. It may not be exactly like it is that we have just recently seen, but it is going to come back in some other in some type of form, one form or another. And kind of a little, as a little bit of an aside, you know, some people will ask, well, when is the fight going to end? And, you know, we, we've got good rulings from the Supreme Court. We've got this, we've got that. When is this stuff, when are they going to stop kind of coming at us? And the answer to that is is never. There's always going to be people that want to blame the object. There's always going to be people that say, if only this certain certain object, if only this certain piece of private property wasn't around, then bad things wouldn't happen. Or they wouldn't happen to the extent that they do. Uh, which we all know is is nonsense. Um, so anyway, when I was looking at that mansion to me amendment, pretty much what it did is it was going to end private sales. Now you could still transfer a firearm or transfer ownership of a firearm to a a relative. I don't know how again how far out they were saying that you could go. So if you had a second cousin or if your cousin, maybe if their kid's wife or something wanted to buy an old Glock 19 that you had that you didn't use anymore, I don't know if, if they're kind of outside that family circle at that point. Uh, or if you would have to kind of do it surreptitiously to where you would have to say, well, okay, I'll sell it to my uncle who will then give it to his daughter who, you know, and then that that chain of command so to speak or the chain of evidence of where it goes and how it got there it goes from one kind of direct family member to the other type thing but anyway kind of looking at the big picture of that thing you can say that it was going to pretty much be an end to private sales that you would not be able to sell a firearm to your friend that you had known for 30 years who you know is not a uh, would be considered a prohibited possessor and you would not be able to give that firearm to them. 
without going through some type of either government agency or some type of industry that has to follow certain government edicts. So there's really no way that you could transfer a firearm to another person without there being a record somewhere. Now, granted, they were going to say that we don't, they're not supposed to keep the records. I, I personally think that they do. Um, I'm sure that somewhere somebody keeps a record, especially if it's electronic. You can have, I mean, just tons and tons of information, tons of data, and it takes up very little room you know, in the modern world, in, in modern computers, think about your desktop computer, how much actually text information that you could have. Not talking about photos or anything like that, but actually text files. You could have just reams and reams and reams of information. So to say that the government wouldn't store some of that, you know, maybe a little conspiracy theory-ish, but we've seen in time, we've seen in the past where they've done it, where they've kept records. And in fact, if we look a little bit about that mansion to me amendment, they were saying that it would be a crime to uh, to keep a list of those things, punishable by X amount in time. Now, the amendment that I saw on Senator Toomey's site, there was no uh, there was there was some information floating around saying that it would be like a fifteen year prison stint or something. What I actually saw in the amendment just said that Congress firmly believed that there should be prosecution. It, it wasn't saying any, it wasn't laying anything out. Maybe there was some other uh, bills or information somewhere that was saying that. I didn't see it. So anyway, luckily that, uh, for us, that stuff, and I guess it's not actually lucky. Let me, let me rephrase that. The reason that thing got defeated is because we were overwhelming all our representatives saying, don't pass this stuff. If you pass this stuff on your next election, you're out. You know, we're not going to stand for it. We're not going to be. We're not going to be scapegoated. We're not going to be held accountable for the acts of madmen. So overall, um, I guess to sum up the the, the Mansion Toomey amendment and and all that background stuff that was going to happen, most of that was bad legislation, in my opinion. Now. One thing that I haven't heard and I haven't seen a lot of follow-up is from the Second Amendment Foundation. Right before this stuff was going to kind of get out there, Alan Gottlieb had gone on Tom Gresham's, uh, what's it called, Gun Talk, and on his radio show and saying, hey, we were sitting at the table, we helped craft this legislation, this is stuff that we want and we think it's good. And when I listened to that uh, that show, and I think it was, I had heard the show a couple, I, I, I listened to him on a podcast, so I usually listen a couple days later. I think he does his show out on a Sunday. So when he came on there, I was very interested to see what he was going to say. And of course, he never, ever mentioned anything that private sales were going to remain intact. Now, when you look at political strategy, and you look at kind of the big long-term plan, I asked myself, well, was it was it one of these things where they crafted this leg- legislation thinking that something was going to go through and, and it would be better to kind of have the devil you know than the devil you don't? Or is it one of those things where your plan is you give the opposition, you kind of throw them this bone that they want, and they they become so in love with that that they get behind that and lose interest in some of the other stuff that maybe wouldn't have been all that they wanted, but maybe might have had a better chance of going through. And we've seen this type of stuff happen in politics in the past, where you let the other side, you you basically float up kind of a Trojan horse legislation that seems to give them all they want and it seems that you're kind of compromising and, and doing things. But when push comes to shove and the actual vote comes, you know it's going to be defeated. And I don't know if that's what happened here or not. It, I haven't heard Gottlieb come on any, any shows. I haven't seen any articles or anything with him saying, 
this is the kind of, of uh, strategy that we were doing, and this was our plan, uh, and it worked. You know, we didn't, uh, this, all this stuff got defeated. Now, looking at some of the senators who actually voted for this stuff, uh, unfortunately, one of mine was John McCain, who uh, many of you guys, uh, of course, know. Uh, and again, I'm out in Arizona. So my, my main three guys are McCain, uh, Jeff Flake, and then a guy named Matt Salmon, who I've talked about before on previous shows. Um, as, as a quick aside, before we start talking about McCain, um, in in a lot of the local media out here, Flake has been attacked. There's been a lot of um, commercials. Now, I don't agree with probably most of the stuff that Flake stands for, but he is generally strong on firearms. But there's been uh, Bloomberg has been putting a lot of money on attack ads out here on him. So a lot of times when I'm at the gym, I'll see this thing, you know, about how he. He wasn't for these uh, uh, the background check that 90% of the people wanted, blah, blah, blah. Which, of course, all of those numbers are all, when you really look at what those numbers are and what they come from and how they ask the questions, they are very disingenuous, to say the least. And, again, you know, you can, you can make statistics sort of say what you want. You can, the people that are doing these polls... They ask the questions in a way to get what they want. Um, so it, it's, it's hard to put a lot of, of credence behind a lot of these numbers that you hear that get tossed out all the time. So anyway, getting back to McCain. McCain a lot of times has been called the rhino, meaning a Republican in name only. Uh, he is one of those guys, when you hear that somebody is willing to kind of reach across the aisle and do this and do that, generally, eh, depending on which team you want to play for, if you're a Democrat and one of your guys reaches across the aisle, that probably means he's not supporting that platform. If you're a Republican and that guy reaches across the aisle, he's probably doesn't fully support that political party's platform. I'm an, I'm neither a Democrat or a Republican. If anything, like I like I, I, I sort of self-identify as a Libertarian. I don't agree with everything that the party stands for, but the majority of it I agree with. So a lot of times McCain, you know, will say things like he's for the Second Amendment, he's for this, he's for that. You know, he supports gun rights, all this stuff. But when it comes down to it, he's always had a a soft spot for ending the quote-unquote gun show loophole. And he's been talking about this stuff for years. So it was really no surprise for me that even though he was contacted overwhelmingly by people saying do not vote for this stuff, for the universal background check, the expanded thing, and... and uh, and all this stuff. He still did it anyway. And it brings us, you know, to another interesting question is are are these guys or in a, in a, and if we look at him specifically, is he really a representative of the people? Now, I called his office weekly. I sent emails, I you know, I I twittered him. I I did a bunch of stuff uh, all saying, you know, don't vote for any new gun legislation, don't do this, don't do that. And when I would talk to the people at the office, they were saying that we're getting a lot of people. Uh, one, well, I, I should say, let me clarify that. One time, one person in the office said they were getting a lot of support for the pro-gun side. So he basically ignored what the people wanted and did what he wanted, which is what most politicians do anyway. Uh, especially if there's somebody like a McCain who they, I mean, realistically, if you say, okay, we're going to send you home, you're, you're done. The question you'd need to ask yourself is, does a threat like that, does the threat of, of him not being in the Senate anymore, does that really mean anything to him? 
monetarily it doesn't. The guy's a multimillionaire. So money-wise, eh, it doesn't mean anything to him. The only thing he would really be losing would be sort of power and prestige. And, and also, the, you know, influence. He'd, he'd be losing a big sphere of influence that he's at now. Also, if you look at him, he's been in politics for many, many years. So even if you threatened, even if the threat was made good and he was he lost the next election, I don't know how many more years he's going to stay in politics. He may He may be retiring after this run. I don't know. So again... When you tell these people, look, if you if you vote against my constitutional my constitutionally guaranteed rights, I'm going to vote against you. I can't. I won't be able to vote for you. I don't. I don't really know that that means that much to a guy like him. And unfortunately, both the House and the and the Senate, so Congress in general, is filled with people like that. They've carved out their niches. Uh, in a state like Arizona that is slowly building a small libertarian base and has a small democratic base, which is bigger than a libertarian base, Arizona is is predominantly Republican. Uh, I don't know what's what's going to happen in, in as, as the future goes on and as, as people who are in in my age group and younger as people become more and more dissatisfied with either the Democratic Party or the Republican Party, I don't know how many of those are going to go to different ones. So either independent, green, um, libertarian. Probably in in Arizona, you're going to have, if if we would look at kind of the, the, how they rank, you'd probably have Republican would be the highest, Democrat, Probably independence, and then below that you were going to have libertarian. Uh, I don't know if over time there seems to be a pretty big libertarian movement, um, but I may be a little, you know, I may be a little um, biased in that because those are the, that's the political philosophy I support, and so that's what I am more aware of, and so I see more of the gains uh, in that. But anyway, um, I guess kind of a. Uh, Enough of that kind of jazz. We'll we'll kind of leave off on that. But what do you guys think? You know, if if you, how do you think your guys stack up out there where you're at? Also, another thing that kind of has been out there a little bit, and sort of a lot of people, at least in in the gun culture, are sort of talking about, is if you're familiar with Adam Kokesh at all. He is planning a march, and, and this is uh, the information I have. He's planning a march, I guess, to go from Virginia, where open carry is legal. I don't know how many people he he wants to have. Um, so I don't. Again, I don't know if he only wants like a hundred people, or if he wants a thousand people, or if he doesn't care how many people get there at all. But I think because they're doing a, uh, it's going to be an armed march, and they're going to go from I think it's Virginia into dc to i think over a bridge and then come back i'm 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 not real sure on the logistics of it and what they're doing but basically what's going to happen is is once they open carry into into dc at that point they will be breaking the local laws there um you're not allowed to open carry you're not allowed to have a loaded firearm blah 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 out in public i guess so there's been um, several kind of different interpretation or camps, if you want to say, on whether they think it's a good idea, whether they think it's a bad idea. The people that think it's a good idea or say it's all a win-win situation, they look at it this way. They say, well, if we march across the bridge and we go there and then we turn around and we march back and nothing happens, they've let us peaceably assemble. They didn't interfere and it exerts and shows that we as a sovereign free people have the right to keep and bear arms and that laws that say that we don't are unjust and unconstitutional and therefore are invalid and so it 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 shows that that that's what's happening if they go across across the border and uh, somebody gets arrested because they're committing in D.C. would be, I guess, felony offenses. 
They say, well, even if we get arrested and charged, it puts us in court. We then would have standing to, to do, you know, blah, blah, blah. And it shows, it illustrates that if I, you know, why am I a, why am I a, a upstanding citizen well within my rights on this side of this line? But when I step over on, on this other piece of property of land that's still in America, why am I now a criminal? I didn't do anything. All I did was step across a border. All I did was step across basically an imaginary line. And it shows, again, the ridiculous of it, blah, blah, blah. There are other people that say, no, it's going to be a losing situation because they're afraid that somebody may come in and do something bad. Somebody may shoot up the place. Somebody may uh, be what they call an agent provocateur where it's an outside person who's not really affiliated with the with the march or with the movement. Uh, so the Second Amendment movement, the freedom movement. And they're going to go there and they're going to, you know, cause disruption. And it will be like giving the anti-gun side people just cause to enact even more draconian legislation. So... Uh, you know, I don't know. I'm I'm kind of torn on it. I can see, I can sort of see all different sides of the argument. There's another argument that says, well, you know, if you are going to do this assembly on the 4th of July, do it, assemble, have your march, but don't go into D.C., have a peaceable thing, and, and your demonstration is nobody gets arrested, nobody becomes a felon, and you say, we would go across the border, but we can't because if we do, we're felons. And so this illustrates then the fact that it is unjust and that we really aren't a free and sovereign pers- people and that the Constitution only has meaning and can only be upheld in certain parts of the country. And then the, the people who would oppose that and say, no, you've got to go across, would say, well, unless you're willing to go and cross that border, then the the people that want to take your rights away and want to limit you and want to take away your freedom and take away your liberty and take away your constitutionally guaranteed rights, they win because they're able actually to do that to you because you're not going to go across that border because you're not free to exercise your rights over there. So again, like I said, I can see... I can see a lot of the arguments and a lot of the arguments kind of make sense to me, but I'd like to hear from you guys. What do you guys think? If that was something that you could go to, would you do it? For me, I probably would not. And some people would say, oh, you're, you know, you're a coward, you're this, you're that. But if you did go over there and you did get arrested and you did get convicted of being a felon, guess what? You can never own a firearm again in your life. You know, so, you know, there, even though a law may be unjust, there are different ways to go around changing those laws. And I don't know, again, that going and getting arrested and, and then giving the other side the ability to take away your, your rights. Now, you can, of course, look, you could always say, yeah, they say I can't have a gun. I'll go out and get one anyway. Uh, or before I'd go on this march, I'd just go out and bury some, and I'll still have them, and and blah, blah, blah. And so, you know, from that standpoint, I can still get them. But, you know, you can never go into a store again and buy a gun. You could never, you know, if something new came out, you'd have to go through kind of black market channels, and you would actually be putting other people maybe at, at risk. So... Again, let me know what you guys think. I'd I'd I'd, uh, I'd like to to get some feedback from you on it because again, like I said, I can see it from all all the different angles, and uh, I can see a lot of things where there's all good points on both sides. Oh, let's see what else is going on. Oh, um, this happened a, a few weeks, a couple weeks ago, I think it was. There was a a shooting, a police shooting in Miami. And the reason that there was footage is because this guy was a drug dealer and I guess he had the security cams going. It shows the guy, he comes out and he goes and he gets in his car. And then pretty much 
Within a few seconds after him getting in the car, the police roll up. They go in to do uh, to get the people or, or execute a warrant. I'm not sure what they what all the details were, but they they grab a dude from inside the house. Now the one guy, the one drug, drug dealer guy, is still in his car and his windows are tinted, so they can't really see in. There's three police. One guy is kind of taking the guy that they've yanked out of the house and kind of walking back. The guy comes out of his car. Uh, the drug dealer comes out of his car, and he starts shooting at the police. Also, you see in, in the video, there's a great big giant tree. So the guy, the drug dealer, actually has cover. And when you look at the timer on the tape, you see that this stuff happens. The whole thing from start to finish is probably 20, 25 seconds maybe at the most. Um, but it's, it's a real good sort of teachable teachable moment. Um, I, I think the main thing it shows is just how fast stuff happens. And it really demonstrates that your cell phone isn't going to do anything for you. In that 20 seconds that it took for that stuff to go down, you probably wouldn't be able, even if you were dead calm, you could probably dial one one. Excuse me. You could probably dial nine one one, and get connected. And by the time they said, "What's the nature of your emergency?" that whole incident would be over. And that's if everything went perfect. The if if you haven't seen the thing, all you have to do is type in like Miami police shootout or drug dealer shootout, and you can, you can find it on YouTube, and you can see all the different uh, the different angles of it and everything. Uh, but again, it just shows how fast stuff happens and how you need to try and be aware of what's going on. Again, they ended up, I think the drug dealer guy ended up getting killed. Um, there was three There was three police officers. When the guy came out and started shooting, oh, within three or four seconds, I think one police officer gets shot, and I think he survived. Right? I don't know if his vest kind of helped him out or not. Um, but I know he took about three rounds and as they're trying to get, they're trying to get into cover, but it, things are happening so quick and it's like, it happens so quick that the brain has to process. Okay. This guy's got a gun. He's shooting, get to cover. Um, and by the time, even, even if you process that, and then by the time you start to react, you know, three to five seconds maybe have gone by. Well, you can, you know, that guy's, he's out, you know, shooting around and, doing all sorts of stuff and when you watch it again if you if you watch it and i've watched it several times so if you watch what the drug dealer does and then watch it again and watch what you know policeman a does then policeman b policeman c and if you and then you kind of get a little bit more of the dynamic of what's going on and how fast actually things happen uh, so anyway again just some real good teachable moments on that stuff another thing um that was in the kind of in the in the uh, in the cultural air, was his name Cody Wilson, the dude that had the was doing the three D printing of the AR fifteen mags and the AK forty seven mags, and was releasing the CAD files. I guess he did the Liberator thing, and he released those. Well, there was a big brouhaha about that stuff and a big to do, and I guess those files were taken down. Um, but they had been loaded, downloaded. I guess at least over a hundred thousand times and basically it's the cad file what he well let me back up a little bit in case you guys don't know what he had done is he had actually printed a 3d firearm now he had a manufacturer's license i think so he was able to do that legally if you look at some well let's let's kind of take another step to the right here if you look at some of the regulations on atf they say that what you can do is if you're not going to sell it, you can actually manufacture a firearm. So you could make your own shotgun. You could, you know, that's why you see some of these guys with their quote unquote zip guns and stuff that they manufacture. And certain states may be differently, but from as far as the ATF says is concerned, as long as you're not using or, or going to sell that gun or take that gun, I don't think you can take it out of your state. Maybe I, I don't, I don't know. Um, but as long, basically, the, the stuff that I remember when I read the regulations was as long as you 
weren't going to sell that gun and you were just going to keep it, you could actually make, you know, you could take a pipe and, you know, do the machining on it, which you would need to do, and make a thing to where, you know, with a spring, whether it had a trigger or not, and you could make a, basically a shotgun. Um, or a rifle, you know, you, if you had the, the milling machines and all the other stuff and you had the tools to do it, you could make your own, your own rifle. Uh, and that wouldn't have to be registered and all this other stuff. So anyway, the, the big part of the brouhaha was is that when he made this gun, and he called it the Liberator, he actually made the barrel out of plastic and he made several different barrels. And he was able to shoot the gun. There was a video up on YouTube. It's since, I think, been taken down. But there was a video up on YouTube on their site of him shooting the gun, I think, like three times. Which, you know, I had always thought that the plastics wouldn't be able to handle the pressure. Now, again, it did fire the gun and it did it did launch the projectile out of the end of the gun successfully. How accurate it was, I have no idea. Um, I don't know in that plastic if you could actually have the rifling or if it would be like when you're shooting, um, you know, if, if if it would just be like kind of shooting a shotgun, you know, kind of like how that judge, well, no, not the judge because it's rifled. Um, you know, would it tumble? Would it, would it keyhole? Would it do all sorts of stuff? You know, I don't know on, on that type of thing. But of course, the point was is that the whole thing was made out of plastic. I think, but I think for the firing pin, I want to say they used a nail. So I, I think it did have some steel or some metal in it. Um, and of course, the big whole brouhaha was, oh, this is undetectable, blah blah blah, and this and that and the other thing. Oh, what a terrible thing! So anyway, I think his video got um, got pulled down, and. Um, but it did show in and it worked. And he, there was some sites that were, um, oh, the, what do they call it? The, where they say, oh, we're going to put up the open source. That's what they call it, like open source sites. And this, and they had, they had um, put some of that stuff on there. And then some of the people who were the owners of those open source sites took them down and said, we're not going to do this because it's an undetectable gun and then this, that, and the other thing. So, uh, you know, I, I don't know. Um, the problem is, or not the problem, but the thing of it is, is that information is out there and those files are out there. And a lot of his points whether you agree with them or disagree with them, was gun control in and of itself is kind of a, a is a fallacy because none of the gun control stuff that they've ever put into place really works. And that if you truly are, again, we're kind of going to go back to some of that stuff. If you truly are a sovereign person and a free person and you have liberty to, to act on your choices, then... Things like having to go through the government or get permission to go through the government for anything is is invalid. Um, so uh, I'm looking on his site right now, and I do not see. I think they took that down. I think they took his. Uh, I think they took that video down. Uh, let me hit pause here, and I'll see if I can find it anywhere. All right, so there you you can go on and look, and you you can find uh, sort of like they have news reports of, of things like that, but they actually pulled it down from his sites. I'm sure he he probably had to do that maybe for legal reasons because they I don't know if they would what they would do to him or or uh, what the consequences for him would be. But there are you can if you can easily find it on YouTube, then just type in Liberator Pistol and you, and you'll be able to see him doing that. So uh, again, it brings. You know, it, it brings up kind of the question of should you should you be outlawing the gun, should you or should you be outlawing the knowledge? And if you're doing things where you're outlawing the actual knowledge, 
are you getting into that Orwellian kind of thought police type stuff to where, you, you know, you shouldn't be able to have this because somebody somewhere at some point may do something bad with it. So anyway, um, again, like to hear kind of your guys' comments on that stuff. Like to like to kind of know what you think, good, bad, indifferent on that type of thing. Now, I heard something the other day, and I will probably, uh, you guys have probably heard heard some uh, some people say this type of stuff before, where somebody will say, I'm not anti-gun, and I think, you know, you should be able to have a shotgun, or you should be able to have a hunting rifle, or you should be able to have even, you know, a handgun, a revolver, a pistol, whatever, but I don't think you should be able to have an AR-15 or an AK-47. You should not be able to have one of these deadly assault weapons. And normally you would say, well, that person is really then anti-gun. And I was thinking about this the other day as I uh, I had heard somebody, uh, it was on some show, I can't remember what it was, but they that's kind of was their point. And in fact, they were, this person was saying, I actually want a gun, I want a handgun, but I, you know, I, I don't think people need these, you know, assault weapon rifles. But is that person really anti-gun? And I thought, you know, a lot of times we talk about, well, whose whose minds can we change or who can we reach? Who who do we have a chance of getting more to our side than to the anti-gun side? And some people would hear, well, they they're against that or they're against the high capacity mags and so they don't want to talk to them at all. They think, well, you're just anti-gun, and if you're willing to ban this, you're willing to ban anything. But the more I was thinking about it, is I think that person is probably, in some respects, closer to our side than they are to the anti-gun side, because they're at least, you know, they're saying, well, not all guns are bad, just these one guns are bad. So I think if the person if, if if you could approach a person like that with some intellectual honesty and actually get them to think not browbeat them or berate them or anything but actually start using like a, what do they call it a socratic method where you just ask questions and come at them and, and try and get them to think and, and try and get them to to make your point for you by them answering your your questions so i think a person like that that person is probably more of a fence sitter than we kind of think that they are. And I think that they could probably be brought over into our side by using, again, logic and reason and not getting too overly emotional with them. Uh, it, it, most of them, I'm sure, a lot of them, is probably just more of like an educational thing. You know, people would say, you always hear that same tired argument of, well, you know, you don't need 20, 30 rounds to hunt a deer with. Well, you're not hunting a deer with 30 rounds. And even if you wanted to, to kind of talk to them, kind of on, you could already say, well, there's already laws sort of against that. But let me, again, let me know kind of what you guys think. Do you think that a person like that is going to be easier to convince to bring over because they don't necessarily have a, a, a kind of a hardwired fear and hatred of the gun and anybody who's associated with it? Because if you have a person who says, well, you know, I think it's fine to have a revolver, I don't think it would be too much to logically step that person to say, oh, okay, well, here's what this rifle is. Here's what it does. Here's why it would be ideal for uh, just a regular average Joe to own one. And if the need ever arose, here's why it's going to be great. So you could really make the case for that with an AR-15 by saying, not only can, you know, I shoot it as the man in the house, but... My 15-year-old son can shoot it if it came down to it. My wife can shoot it because the recoil is very manageable recoil. It's not like a super heavy firearm, especially if you don't have a lot of crap on over it. Um, so anyway, let me know what you guys think. Now, speaking of feedback, we did get some uh, a little bit of follow-up feedback from Tiago. And since it's been so long, I'll kind of... Uh, recap a little bit. In his first email, uh, Tiago, who's now over here in the United States and is a citizen, which we're very happy about, um, he came from Brazil and he was talking about a lot of the restrictions 
as far as gun owners in Brazil. And one of the things was his, uh, when he was talking about like kind of where you can shoot. And there, there was, uh, he, he had kind of uh, wrote in and given us a little bit of follow-up. And so I'll go ahead and, and just read this out for you guys. So he writes, hi, Tony. First, I want to thank you for reading my email on your podcast. Uh, you cannot believe how much that meant to me. Now, regarding your question, it looks like I had a missing part from this sentence. And the sentence was, you cannot shoot your guns outside of properties of your own. No shooting ranges. What I meant is that under Brazilian law, you can possess your firearm under a registered location and you can transport to other places after applying for a transit permit beforehand. However, if you want to discharge your weapon for any reason, like target shooting, self-defense, etc., that needs to be done on a property you happen to own or rent. This is rather a damper since it pretty much restricts target practice greatly and it seems to only allow for uses of that firearm for self-defense on the premises of your home. And this to me seems odd since shooting practice is a key component for effective gun ownership. Nevertheless, I have long abandoned any further efforts to understand what I see as downright irrational gun legislation. Moreover, I forgot to mention something on my earlier email. Despite all of these restrictions, Brazil, according to its justice, uh, justice ministry, had a murder rate of 40,974 homicides in 2011. And USA has, for the same year, a homicide rate of 14,748. But this is the shocker. The population of Brazil is half of the United States, which makes Brazil's murder rate five times greater. Although I understand there are many factors involved when talking about homicide rates, I can't help wonder how much gun control plays on creating the perfect ecosystem for mass killing of defenseless law-abiding citizens. Lastly, I did neglect to mention that in general, Brazilians' perceptions of firearms are negative and usually associated to criminality rather than dignity. Therefore, this brings me to the USA. We cannot let this happen here. We, the gun owners, need to beat our chest and feel proud. And moreover, we need to pass that to all our friends and our family in hopes that they will see that gun ownership itself is not a crime, but something to be proud of. Once again, thanks for reading my email, and I hope you keep cranking these out because I cannot get enough. Sincerely, Tiago. Well, thanks a lot for sending that in and clearing that up. I tell you, you know, when we look at a lot of the restrictions in other countries and we see a lot of the things that other people have to go through. Even though there are a lot of attacks and there are restrictions that are very similar to that in some states, generally in the United States and most states, we don't have to have those type of restrictions. If you look at New York, New Jersey, if you look at uh, parts of uh, Illinois, if you look at you know um, California, that's where you see a lot of these huge restrictions. I don't think it's a coincidence that you also see in those areas higher murder rates, higher crimes, uh, higher violent overall crime. So not just things that would involve a gun, but just a, just violent crime in general is is higher in those places. And that's been shown again and again and again. Uh, so again, Tiago, thanks for sending that in. I appreciate it and hope to hear from you again in the future. I think that is, oh, oh, I was going to wrap it up, but this isn't necessarily gun related, but can you believe all these scandals that's, that's happening? And if you're, if you've been a long time listener of this show, you probably would say, yes, I can believe that all these scandals are happening. There was the IRS scandal where they were targeting, uh, tea party groups and Patriot groups, uh, any, any people that had um, the word patriot or tea party or certain affiliate words, if they were a business and had those things in their title, they were singled out for greater scrutiny. An interesting thing is that the guy that's basically going to fall on his sword for Obama and his administration, he was due, he's been fired, the, the head of the IRS. He was due to leave next month. He was due to leave in, I believe, in June. So I'm sure even though he's been you know, fired, 
he'll I'm sure his pension will remain intact. Um, I'm sure the lifelong benefits that he's going to get and all this other stuff are going to remain intact. Look forward, find out this guy's name, look forward in a couple of months from now, uh, expect him to be working for Goldman Sachs or J.P. Morgan or one of these big banks or some big giant corporation because they're going to they're going to reward this guy. Uh, and you may not see it right away, but it, if if you if you uh, if you keep track of this stuff, that's what's going to happen. And the reason we know that that kind of stuff happens is because we looked back at that guy. Um, I can't remember his name. I think it was like O'Donnell. He was the guy who was the head of the Phoenix office of the ATF went during the Fast and Furious scandal. He again was you know allowed to resign. They kind of kept him. He had, I think, like five or six months to go. So his resignation would take place officially after he was done, so that his, so that his, after that five or six months, so that his pension remained intact. And then he was able to use probably vacation or sick time so that he would still be getting paid. Shortly after that, he went to work as head of security or a, a big part of the security team for, I think it was J.P. Morgan. And was making probably about a six or seven figure income off of them. So um, they will take care of their their own if you're willing to fall on your sword, um, and they can kind of, in in theory, quote unquote, kind of quietly slip that aside. Now that, like I said, stuff like this was mentioned kind of in passing in the press. If this had been a different administration. I think there would have been a lot more to do about it. Also, you know, if we look at the APS scandal, which is where the uh, was the Department of Justice, I can't remember who it was, was subpoenaing it was actually well they didn't subpoena them. That's, that's totally wrong. That'd be a totally different thing. They were secretly gathering for the past two years tons and tons of phone records from Associated Press. So now that's a huge, big story because it's them that's being affected by it. When it was just me or you or other gun owners or or, or certain other you know liberty-minded groups, well, you know that's just kind of the price of price of playing ball. You know that they have to do it to keep safe. That's part of the Patriot Act. That's what they should be able to do. But of course now that's a great, big, huge thing. So I don't know who they're going to get to fall on their sword for that and how they're going to reward that person, but uh, they will be. I think there was another scandal, but I can't remember what it is. Anyway, uh, I think we'll go ahead and wrap it up for today, and uh, I'd love to get some feedback from you guys. Oh, one other quick thing. If you go over to the website, if you go over to firearmscafe.com, remember how I was, oh, well, I don't, know if I, I don't know if I mentioned on this last show or not, but on one of my other shows on uh, The Armed Ape, the last time I went over to the website, I used to have the little buttons for Facebook, for Twitter, and for YouTube, and then those were gone. Well, I guess for some for some reason the the way that the image would and those buttons would appear, you have to have an image somewhere that they can they can put up there. And I contacted the place, which was niftybuttons.com. And their solution was, well, just upload the images to your server and then, you know, change the code around a little bit. So I did that, and they're back working. So if you want to go over to the website and uh, either, you know, follow me on Twitter or or friend me on Facebook uh, or see some of the videos I've done for my YouTube channel, you can go ahead and do those as well. Uh, uh, Kind of a little bit of a side with the Facebook and the Twitter stuff, it's... It's all mostly just silly stuff. A lot of times if I, with the Twitter though, I um, will, if, if I come across articles or things that I think are relevant, I'll, I'll pop those up. And a lot of times it's not going to be just with guns, but it can be stuff about like Monsanto. It can be anything that where it deals with our liberty and if our freedoms are getting kind of trampled. But it's also a bunch of silly stuff too that I, I have some other friends on Twitter and when we do that. Uh, Facebook, same type of thing as well. I don't really take any of that stuff all that seriously. Um, you know, it's funny. A lot of times I'll, I'll get on my, what do they call it, the wall or the timeline or whatever the heck it's called, and they'll say, you know, if you're tired of President Obama kicking puppies in the face, you know, like and blah, blah, blah. Well, you know, what does that really do? 
I mean, I guess it gives you an ability to sort of express yourself a little bit, but, you know, it's not going to do anything. So uh, anyway, a lot of the stuff, if you look at my profile, it's all goofball stuff, um, you know, so. Uh, but anyway, if you want to if you want to friend me on Facebook, I, I, I friend pretty much just about anybody. If you want to follow me on Twitter, that's fine. If you want to go over and subscribe on YouTube, that's fine, too. All right, guys, I am going to wrap it up this time for sure. So I will talk to you next time. Take care. Here we go. One step at a time, don't be living on the line. I don't need a friend. I got more on the mind. Sunshine in my brain, making everyone complain. Radio in the heart, don't be being so strange. Think I'm losing it, baby, where have you been? Everybody says that you're moving again. I don't want to be right, baby, every single night. I can tell you a thing about taking your time. It's making me nervous, yeah. One step at a time, don't be living on the line. I don't need a friend, I got more than I'm mine. Sunshine in my brain, Degenerate. I love drugs and drinking and gambling, and my moral compass always points south. Yeah!